Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of The Sister Show, validating the black woman experience. I must say that making these podcasts are actually therapeutic, because it actually feels good to say these things out loud. Even though they have, the things I've been talking about have been, have happened in the past, you know, um, it feels good to actually say it out loud. And even though I can't see anyone, it, it, it still feels good knowing that I am talking to someone. So it's like a ther- it's therapy. But it's even more fulfilling knowing that I'm saying it out there with the hope of helping someone else. That hopefully someone will listen to this and, you know, it would, you know, strike a chord with them and, you know, maybe they would, it would validate their own experience and they, maybe they may... Maybe certain things have happened to them in the past that maybe they have, you know, tried to forget because they've been told to forget or they didn't have any answers for it. I just hope I help someone. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So in the last episode, I talked about my brother and his abusive self. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about my father. In the other um, recordings, if you remember, I said that he was my biggest disappointment. And okay, I'll just I'll just start by saying by you know with the history of my father. So this is according to my mother that he left us at six months left me when I was six months old. So I actually have no from when I was younger that is I have no memory of living with my dad. He was around like we knew where he lived. I had his phone number. We went to the same church. But he wasn't, and he he'd buy us trainers and stuff like that. But when it came to like, you know, I guess I didn't know that then. But quality time, like emotions and stuff, he wasn't really there. <laughs> and now that I know better, I realized that he never really wanted to be a parent. He never really wanted to be a father. And although my mother yelled a lot of things at us, she did yell a lot. She yelled a lot, okay? That's why I said I don't know whether she was over or covert because she yelled when we were inside the house. She yelled when we were outside the house. Maybe when we were outside, she just didn't yell in front of people. But because for us, it was still yelling. And I don't really know. I, I, think, I think she's covert because she did have to hide it. But amongst the things that she yelled, she used to yell certain things about our dad. She used to make us say that, um, I can't remember the things she say about him, but she made it. She made tried to make him look like a bad person. And then when we we when we would go with our dad, maybe we're driving somewhere. My dad, our dad, would start giving us advice like, you know, listen to your mother. You know, I always tell her not because my my mom cussed us out as well. If I didn't mention that earlier, not in a. I mean, there's no good way to cuss someone out. But anyway, she cussed us out a lot. So he will always be like, oh, listen to your mother. I've always been telling her she shouldn't be, um, she shouldn't be insulting you guys, but listen to her, you know, uh, show her respect or something like that. <laughs> That's what he would say. And then we'll be, so we're hearing two contrasting views or we're, we're experiencing two contrasting views and we're kids. So we don't know. We're going to go with what's we, what we see, what we actually hear from him. You know, we didn't live with him out. We didn't live with him until we came back from Nigeria. I was 17 then. My brother was 20. Anyway, but 
from my own experience my dad had always been because i look exactly like my dad i'm just a female version of him honestly speaking so he always because we never lived together so i never really knew him that's why i guess i've always been so holding my my dad and like holding him on some pedestal as you would say not in a sense that he was doing so much better than my mother you know but i used to hold him in a lot more like at the end of the day i didn't know him you know he was just in and out we could call him but we didn't know him emotionally and everything but he'd always try to emphasize the father-daughter bond whenever he would pop in make it seem like oh you're a big girl now i remember this time yeah this time when he came to nigeria when we were there he was my mom was my my, i told you my mom didn't like me so she was so happy to tell my dad something that he she was she was even she was happy to tell my dad something that she thought he would beat me for and it was like at that time i was always my first the first thing i used to like when i was young was acting and looking back now i realized it was because i was never allowed to be myself so when you're acting you can you're not yourself but in a sense you are yourself being someone else so no one's gonna argue with it so i guess that's why i liked acting but i you know in in nollywood they have a there's a bad reputation of people having to sleep their way to the top so my mother didn't really like it not that she cared anyway but anyway i used to like acting so my mom my mom when she when he, my dad was coming she was so excited to tell him that you know she's gonna be an actress she wants to be an actress she wanted to tell him all these things and among, as much some other things so that he can get angry and hit and beat me as well but then my dad came and was like oh you're a big girl now how can i be how can i be how can i beat you blah 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 cooking was never my favorite thing to do because my mother used to shame me for it she used to make it seem like simply because i don't know how to cook you know certain dishes that um you know i she made it seem like i'm less of a woman so I never really learned how to, I never really learned because I didn't want to. I didn't even try to people please because I know like, it just felt like a black hole trying to people please her. And um, I, 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 <laughs> I'm like, who's the person that's going to try and make me feel less of a woman because I can't cook or can't clean it for them? Like, who are they? But when my dad came, he told me, he showed me how to cook some things. And I do know how to cook some things. You know, when I was broke enough, I would cook. But since I am not broke, and I will never be broke again, okay, I don't want to cook. I prefer when food is cooked for me. <laughs> anyway, and she, you know, he was just saying her big girl now, blah, blah, blah. And she would tease me, make it seem like, oh, look at him, because he's saying you're a big girl, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, he used to try and emphasize this father-daughter bond were best not best friends but you were close blah 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 so when we came back to london and we were living with my dad me and my brother i was like all right the abuse with that abusive person called a brother would would be over because we were scared more scared of my our dad when we grew up because he wasn't there all the time but the times my mother would call him was when we had gotten out of her control and she wanted to beat us so he was and she wanted him to beat us. So she would call him. He would now come and say, he'll come and do his 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 favorite. He'd come and you know be shouting, shouting, tell us to kneel down, hands up, close your eyes, face the wall. That was his favorite thing. Or or if my brother was the one that was 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 naughty that week, he would beat him. So we didn't really have get a loving aura from him. There were loving moments not enough to establish a a secure emotional connection 
But there were loving moments, but generally speaking, we didn't see him, despite my mother being toxic, she's the one that took care of us, you know? We lived under her care compared to him, and yeah. There was a time he was trying to, there was a time he wanted us to stay with him, but we weren't comfortable because we're not used to living with him. And and I could tell he wasn't happy about it, but we never established that connection and it was his fault. He's a father, so he should have done better. I'm not sorry for that. But anyway, came out to London and I thought, okay, my dad will be the one, my dad will be the one to put a stop to it. My dad will be the one to hear my pain. Finally, someone can hear me and I'm not talking to a wall, you know, you know that, that moment where you feel like, yes, someone's going to have my back kind of thing. That's how I thought he was going to be. But then, you know, I'm telling my dad, I'm venting to my dad, not to this extent as I'm venting on a podcast, but I'm just telling my dad things that have happened. I'm just getting the anger out and everything, telling how my mother was and my brother was. Then he'll be like, you know, your mother, your mother, he'll just say whatever he was I wanted to hear in a moment. But when it came to my brother, he will be like, you know, he's changed, he's changed. I'm like, even if he hasn't changed, it's it's not like he has a victim here to practice on. Anyway, so, but that was, like, when I first got here. It's not like he has a victim. Like, who's he going to fight? He even frustrated my dad. But my dad was like, you know, he's changed, he's changed. And then after that thing happened, that they had an argument in the middle of the night over something stupid, and it resulted in them fighting, and I told you that my brother punched me, then whipped me with a belt and everything. My dad just, it's as if everything just went back to normal, like, nothing happened. And... I'm expecting my dad to do something as an angry person would. Well, as angry as I was, do something. But no, it's kind of like like things just were brushed under the carpet. You know, confusion, but I let it go. And then what happened? Yes, I don't know, I don't know how far apart these um, instances were. I think I came out to London in 2014 yeah so it was like anyway I, I don't know they were just months apart i'll just say but something happened where me and my brother had an a fight and my dad wasn't in the city at that time he was working in a different city and he and, and my brother we we fought my brother was my brother hit me so i called the police and i don't even feel ashamed of i don't even feel ashamed of that because after that, my brother my brother was like, my own sister called the police on me. Can you imagine that foolishness? So he's actually expecting me to accept the abuse. Oh my goodness. This is how entitled that prick is. Like, he's actually making it seem like I actually have to accept the abuse. Like, he's like, my own sister called the police on me. And I know when I would do it again. Like, what the fuck do you think this is? Anyway. But when that happened... And he got arrested. I don't really know what happened. In the, I don't really know. But because, because of everything that has happened, I didn't even press charges, although the police asked me if I wanted to. And I said no, because I didn't see the point of it. But I locked him out the house. And this man, this person, um, the police were like, because normally in domestic violence cases they would try to they would um i can't remember specifically but i locked him out the house so they were like i should pack up his bag i should pack a bag for him because he's going to work his uniform and everything 
and then when he when he gets to the door i shouldn't open the door for him and i should leave it at the door and he will go so when my dad was hearing him my dad i was updating him from where he was in i think it was newcastle or something and my dad was like, all right, you know, when he gets to the door, you know, I told him when he gets to the door, he should call me. I don't know what my dad, I don't know what he was planning to do when he said that. But then when he got to the door, he then called me to let him in. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he was trying to force me to let him in. He was like, let him in. I said, no. He said, let him in. Like the way you would talk to a child, he's like, let him in. I said, no. Let, oh my goodness. I said, no. And then... He kept badgering me and I had weak defenses. So I don't even think he cared. And I was crying on the phone. I was crying on the phone because of how ignorant this man didn't care. It was so ignorant. How could he not care? Did you not care about the pain that he caused me? Like, how is this not a problem for you? How was it? I don't understand. But he's forcing me to let him in. And I'm crying on the phone like, oh, like, you know, just why would you force me to let him in? You know? And I opened the door for the idiot. And yeah, then my dad was like, okay, when he gets to London, when he gets to London, we'll talk about it. And because of that pain that my dad caused me for him being very dismissive of my feelings, whenever I have a lot to say about to, to someone, I always write a note I write down a note, like I write, I, I will write paragraphs of everything I need to say. And I was as respectful as possible, but I, I can't let the truth not be heard because I'm trying to be so respectful and everything. And I wrote everything down and I sent it to him. And then he's like, you know, when I spoke to him next, he was like, you know, I heard, I saw everything you're going to say. I'll respond to it when I get back. When this, this man comes back and what he says along the line, he, he's, pretends to care and tries to ask like what happened what happened and then he this is what he this this is what i have now gotten used to his um his favorite excuse well you know you guys are brother and sister this is just child's play you guys will need each other in the future so let it go let it go Uh uh-uh you you know you guys are in if that's what that's a summary of what he said but he used a lot more rubbish to say it a lot more jargon but that's what he was saying you know you know you guys are brother and sister this is just child's play at 20 years old this is child's play at 20 years old you know let it go you guys are going to need each other in the future while my brother is just sitting there comfortable because he's gotten his anger out while i'm the one that's looking at the angry black woman so they can easily make it seem like i'm the person who's who's the problem and I don't understand. And I'm still shouting at the anger at this man because I don't. Un- it's, it's not a situation of let it go. You need to deal with it. This has been happening since we were young. And then my dad, in that moment, acknowledged the fact that, oh, okay, it's the things from the past. I thought he would understand. And the funny thing is, despite these things being in the past, I have been trying to let it go. I've been trying because I want to be happy. I want to live a good life. I want to do good things. I want to enjoy my own company. You know, I want to do, I don't want to feel like I need someone with me all the time. I want to, I don't know, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew that it wasn't this chaos that was in my mind and in my heart. But I was trying so hard to let it go over the years. But it's as if whenever I'm trying, whenever it's as if whenever I'm seeking peace 
the devil within my brother will stir him up to come and cause a problem with me knowing fully well he will meet resistance so that he can hit my insecurity and it's an insecurity so it will hurt so i will lash out then he can have a reason to punch and beats because that demon within him has stirred him up because i'm trying to because i've been trying to get peace i didn't know what forgiveness was but forgiveness is not let is not saying okay i'm gonna let the past go and i'm gonna let you back into my life no no that's not what forgiveness is forgiveness is forgiveness is letting what happened go and putting a boundary so it doesn't happen again because you you're not gonna ever look back on a bad memory of you being punched and beaten and smile it's very difficult to look back on painful memories and see how it was for your good but forgiveness is about forgiveness is about letting it go it's like what you did really hurt me but you know i'm gonna feel all these emotions that you made me feel i'm gonna hurt i'm gonna cry i'm gonna let it go but you're not coming back into my life at least when without at least not without changed behavior changed behavior is a real apology not just words anyway my dad is you know you know he's my dad's giving me some so giving us some bullshit talk about um forgiveness you should forgive because your brother and sister you're gonna i'm like i'm over here thinking to myself i didn't say this out loud at the time but i'm thinking to myself you will not find me like you think you think i'm gonna keep tolerating the disrespect and you and i'm supposed to stick around what happens if you don't find me what are you gonna do but as but i think at some point i did say it out and then my and then he, my brother made it seem like i you know my dad my brother made it seem like oh you know is um that she's the difficult one you know the he didn't say it but he's body he's um what's the word body language indicated that his body language indicated that um you know she's just been difficult because he's gotten his anger out he's feeling good now idiot he's feeling good he's feeling good so he's like well you know he's just he's just calm about it so anyway then this man is saying well forget about it he said forget about it because of the future because of future forget about it you guys will need each other in the past i'm like that is not dealing with it he didn't even address the note that i sent him so this man told us to wait for him to come to london to deal with it and the summary of everything he said was forget about it it's happened it's the past you're gonna need each other in the future so be happy be brother and sister hold hands you know hold hands by the campfire sing good goodbye or whatever and i have been trying to forgive i've been trying to let it go but it's very hard to let something go when you know that it's going to happen again when you know that there's no boundary stopping it from happening again and the person is still around with the same symptoms that are showing you that they are going to do those same things again that's why i held that anger i've always been disrespected and i've always been ghastly i've always been undermined and no one cared to hear my story and i don't know why i don't know why they didn't care enough i guess they had their own issues that they didn't deal with but why not if you're not going to deal with the situation that don't and don't intervene don't act like you care just to say forget about it he's a man whatever don't say rubbish like that like you would think that these adults these adults are trying to make themselves seem so wise they are foolish they are foolish children they're just grown children honestly speaking i guess we're all children at heart but they have their own issues 
and I guess they haven't acknowledged them for them to be saying rubbish like that. But they act like they're wise. They act like they know better, but they don't. They're just as dumb as a seven-year-old kid. They're just a seven-year-old kid that's gotten that has more children. Seven-year-old kid that now has the opportunity to leech and and uh, to leech off of their children. Probably have narcissistic um, relationships with their children. Maybe they don't even know it. Anyway, and then I just I I wouldn't say I let it go, but what was I supposed to say? I didn't press charges. The situation's over. What's gonna happen? Who's gonna hear me? So I, I, I don't know. I begrudgingly let it go. In a sense, and then something happened again. And this was getting close to the time when I was leaving for university. And this time, I pressed charges, but it did not go to court. It nothing happened because there was not enough evidence and. It, yeah it nothing came of it but when my dad when my dad when i i wasn't there was no one helping me through this so i wanted to press charges i wanted him to feel something to experience some consequence but no one was there no one has like no one has ever validated me no one has ever been on my side so i was gonna do this alone and i wasn't sure what the right step to take so i called this person called my father who i thought would give me i don't know maybe he would understand i don't know what i was expecting but then when i called him he's like how can you testify against your brother how can you testify against your brother ah uh-uh, he's your brother but i'm like but i'm his sister i'm your daughter i was beaten it was injustice i don't understand my dad was yelling at me for daring to press charges and honestly speaking i regret that i didn't do it in the first the first situation honestly speaking I regret that I didn't. And while that whole thing was going on, there was this um there was this lady from church. She knows herself if she happens to listen to this. I called her because I don't know why I thought my dad or my brother had called her to tell her. Because she they were no, I thought my brother may have called. I don't know, I just thought she knew for some reason. So I called her and I told her about everything. And I thought she would understand as a woman. But no, she knows herself if she happens to listen to this because she's still in the church. And she said, you know, when men are angry, they like to get physical, you know. You know, my your, your dad is just like my dad, you know. It's his way or the highway. When men are angry, they like to get physical. I don't, I didn't understand why, why am I hearing these things from women? Is it something they have against me? Or is it something that they will also accept for themselves? Like, if their husband was to beat them, that they will accept it as it was deserved. I don't understand. And she's telling me that as she, was, she also told me not to testify or, or press charges because he will have a criminal record. And I'm like, he already, doesn't ha- he already has a criminal record because he is so entitled in his narcissism that he doesn't even pay his parking tickets. He will park recklessly because the laws of the United Kingdom were created to keep him alone down. So there's no reason why he should pay petrol, insurance, MOT, road tax, and then pay for parking. He goes through congestion charge zones. He gets he, he was getting letters about his parking tickets like Harry Potter was getting them letters from Hogwarts. Just flying in through the, mail, the mailbox. 
So he already has a criminal record because they tried, they really tried to clamp his car multiple times and everything. But anyway, she's trying to say, you know, don't do it. You know, when, when men are angry, they like to get physical. It's just, ugh. I've used to, I was used to people not being on my side, but it's just, it's, it's still a disappointment when it happens. If she listens to this, I really hope that what you, what you said very much disappointed me. I don't understand why you wouldn't see me as someone worth defending. I don't know. Maybe this is something that you are accepting for yourself. Maybe you're, maybe, cause honestly speaking, narcissists can be anyone. Narcissists are in the church. Narcissists could be in a church. So maybe she's married to one that she accepts this for herself. I don't understand why she didn't see that, why she couldn't see any problem with that. Or maybe I forgot to mention that he was abusive in the first place. So maybe she thought that, you know, it was, that was a first instance, I guess. But that was a very ignorant thing to say. Physical abuse is never acceptable in any situation. Anyway, so, um, where was I? (laughs) Yeah, and then... My dad is always about get your education, get your education. He's that's what his favorite thing is get your education, blah blah blah, which is a good thing. And I told you he's a separate kind. He's a victim narcissist. Victim narcissists are the ones who narcissists, like I said, narcissists at some point were victims themselves. They were victims of abuse. But then narcissists could turn out in a variation of different ways. There could be those who put others down. There could be those who do it secretly, those who do it... I mean, they do put others down in general. But there's a, there are different methods. That's how you find out a different type of narcissist. But the way he does it is he makes it seem like, oh, poor lonely me. I am so content. I don't have... I don't have... Um, he doesn't... He, what's the word? He said, well, if you are Yoruba, it's only if you are Yoruba, you understand. He said, he doesn't have a logical for money. He's content. He doesn't look at other people's, con- you know, poor lowly me. I'm so content. I live here. I drive this, you know, whatever. That's the type he is. To draw people in so that people can feel sorry for him and hopefully do the things that he should be doing for himself, for him, you know. So, um, anyway... Anyway, so yeah, he's saying get your education, get your education. It was time for me to go to university and I was saving up for, you know, renting a flat, even though I was going to get a student loan. But I, there were so many things that I could buy that, that I needed to buy that I was working overtime to get that if I had used my student loan, I would have run out of money before anything. But anyway, I told him like almost a year before I went to college because I knew the type of person he was. He likes to make promises without without actually doing it so i thought okay if i tell this man a year in advance he has a job i'm a student i'm i can work part-time but i'm not fully independent and i can't work full-time to make up for what he was lacking so i am a student and i do have a job but you still need help from your parents financially whether you want to believe it or not so there was only so much overtime i could work because i did have so many things that i needed to buy since i was i was really moving out I don't know whether you knew that or not. Anyway, so he, I t- asked him to help me buy me a, to buy me a laptop a year before. He didn't buy it. And then while I got to university, he's, he, let me just say, for now, he never bought it. He just kept saying, you know, he never bought it. For even a year after I started, he's still giving me, saying, I think about it every day. But yet, this man bought a flat screen television because of about £300 because it was on sale. 
And I'm like, and at some point I, I was getting fed up with his fault. I was like, you know what? You know what? Just tell me if you can do Just tell me. And I will look for another way to make it happen. Just tell me now. Can you do it? He says, I will do it. I will do it. He never did it. And I ended up buying, I ended up sacrificing the remaining student loan I had after rent to, um, to pay for it because I could get a job, but it's very hard to get a job or most of the student jobs are taken and it's very hard to get a job because when they find out you're a student, not, they won't want to help. They won't want to hire you. They may not hire you because a lot of them are already taken. So it was very hard to find a job to fit around my, my timetable and everything. So I eventually just sacrificed my money and bought it for myself because doing my assignments on my iPad was not convenient. Although I am very, very grateful that I had that iPad because imagine if I didn't have that iPad. They had a library, but it was so cold there. <laughs> you know, I guess I, I did I did count my blessings. I knew I did have opportunities, but for if you put that aside he did promise me the laptop so it's like and i'm saying okay look if you're not gonna buy it i will find another way no one can deny the the convenience of having a laptop so if that sounds ungrateful or you're free to think that but he did promise it anyway i'm not here to validate anything to you anyway so so he didn't buy it but every time i call him he's like oh yeah you know i think about it every day i'm gonna buy it soon you know whatever just giving me false promises breadcrumbs breadcrumbs of hope and eventually bought it for myself and whatnot and yeah and in my second year in my second year i was trying to get my life together between my second year and my third year um i was trying to start a business because i studied business entrepreneurship so i was trying to start a business and um I I fell into I fell into the trap of um this Amazon FBA thing. They always make it they if you see these ads they they make it seem like you can make ten thousand in ten in ten minutes so thirty days they make it seem and I kind of fell for it. I thought it was easy money, so I just I didn't put as much effort as I should have into it. But I sacrificed the loan, the the rent money that I would have used to pay for where I was staying over the summer, to do the to start the business and i was working the night shift at sainsbury's and it was terrible every single shift i hated it working 12 midnight to 8 a.m non-stop i hated every single second of it so i really wanted to quit the job and i was really looking for money so i was like let me do that the other option was to work in an amazon warehouse and amazon works at warehouse you have to work 10 hour shifts 10 hour shifts standing up you get a break of like, I think it was 45 minutes at first and then 30 minutes the next time. But when you're standing, you need a lot more than 45 minutes and 30, 10 hours, you know, 10 hours they expect you to, to work. So that was, yeah, it's, it's not it's not conducive, honestly. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, I had to move out of that place and I had to go stay with him. And during that time, I told you that I had a... Like, if you remember from the previous recording, I told you that I was looking for a, a sister, a female figure so bad that the devil sent a parasite into my life. So that she, she, I, I got rid of her my, after my first year, my second year, I was trying to get my life together. And my second year, I, I was really trying to, I was really trying to understand how I let such a person into my life. So I was really trying to, you know, when they say find yourself, like that was what I was looking for, but not in those specific words. 
but eventually I started healing and things that have I, all the emotions that have that were buried when I was younger that I wasn't allowed to feel because no one would care for them or if I expressed them I was forced to stuff them back in I was so I'll just say I spent that entire year just crying I was just crying and crying and crying because it was pain that kept coming up and I, I did I couldn't not cry because everything was just coming out (laughs) everything was just coming out things would come up in my memory and then i would cry about it and cry about it and because of the self-sabotage that i always did to myself sometimes i would try to stop myself from crying because i'm thinking i should be over it but then i want to cry so i just cry and cry and cry and cry so that was like that was the beginning of my self-healing my self-love journey so now after that thing that happened with that parasite and I got her out of my life, I'm evaluating everyone in my life. I'm evaluating the friends that I had that I met through her. I realized that they were no good either. I invited, I started evaluating everything. I started looking back on the past. I started looking back on, on, and I saw things more clearly, as clearly as it was for me in that moment as I was enlightened, I would say. Like as I was enlightened, I kept looking back and then I would cry about certain realizations you know even more than the pain that i knew i was holding in and i would cry and cry and everything so when it came i also realized certain things about my dad as well but because of the because of the fact that despite the fact that he was he was never really on my side when it came to the abuse but he had still been advocating he still be making it seem like oh you know a father daughter or father daughter whatever whenever he sees me do something good like like in the like before i moved out when i got when i got my when i started learning how to drive because i really wanted to learn how to drive so bad yeah when i learned how to drive when i got my new car he will praise me if you guys are familiar with narcissists you know i can't be talking about that topic right now but anyway he will praise me and then be like i don't i don't even know what that he'll be be, he's referring to my brother i don't even know what he's doing he's not even doing he thinks that's what makes me feel good like praising me and putting him down like that has nothing to do with me but yeah he thinks that because we have some sort or because i'm naive to who he really is that um i won't seek him for what he's for who he is and i would keep up the father-daughter rubbish relationship he was trying to um was trying to do anyway so during that summer i was going through a lot i was i, I had a cloud i was a I was i won't say i had a cloud i was now aware that i had a cloud over my head and i was working act- actively to let it go and heal and cry out and cry out and cry 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 because imagine past imagine trauma as this imagine a physical wound you know so imagine you 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 scrape yourself so deeply and then someone says, someone says, um, put a plaster on it, put a plaster on it and keep moving. That's not healing. Now imagine what's that, now imagine that in an emotional sense. Think of, okay, let me just use it in a physical sense. When you have a wound, you have to heal it. It's not just putting a plaster on it and keeping it moving. You need to heal it. Then when you're done, you put a plaster on it and then, you know, you wait for it to to heal and seal up and everything but an emotional wound is 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 it goes with the same process you need to process the emotions you need to heal from the pain that was caused to you it's not a situation of simply let it go that anyone who says simply let it go that has listened to this 
the things that I've been saying. Those people are part of the problem, even if you want to see it or not. Because it's not for anyone to decide how someone else should process, process, process pain. You don't tell a person who's burning a finger, keep quiet, that person is burning an arm. No, the pain is still the same. It has still passed that threshold of pain, you know. You don't simply say... You, you don't simply say you don't just simply put a plaster on a wound and keep it moving you need to you need to to cater to it and heal it and you know so that it can be better and it won't if you just put the plaster on it and keep it moving you're not healing it it's probably gonna bleed out and it's probably gonna turn into a you're probably gonna get like an infection or something it's gonna get worse and that's how it is with emotional wound if you don't deal with it the longer you don't deal with it the worse it gets but ignoring your or filling it in with something filling it in with something with other things like i don't know um money material things technology that's just that's just putting a plus on a bleeding wound anyway <clears throat> so yeah i, I was aw- i was now aware i had a cloud over my head and i was working actively to to heal it but i was still very f- fragile i was feel very very vulnerable but now I'm looking at my dad differently because now I see him for who he really is. And despite that, it's like I was still in the co- cognitive distance. I was still kind of on the fence. Is he really that person? Does he really not care? Is this really who he is? I wasn't sure. But I was asking God to show me, give me confirmation that this is who he is and I'm gone. Like he will never see me again. Like give me confirmation and I was seeing these things in my heart as I was taking a shower. And when I was done, I sat down and I was still emotional, I was still crying. Because I've le- I, I eventually stopped trying to stop myself from crying. I just cry whenever I need to cry because I just you just need to cry sometimes. And he walked in and he was like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing. And he, was like, and he eventually said I should tell him. And then it just came out. I was like... I can't remember. I cannot remember. This is not. I can't remember what I said specifically, but this was how I said it, and these were things I said along the lines. I've been telling you that Shego's a wicked person. You never did anything, and the times when I when I expected you as a father to put your foot down and say that this is wrong, you pretended like it wasn't. You pretend like he did nothing. You've never. You were never really on my side or something like that. I was just letting everything out, and I got the confirmation that I needed, because as I was saying these things, as I'm saying. I've been telling you something. I've been telling you something. Shego is this. Shego is that. And he's like, are these things not in the past? Are these things not in the past? That was it. It was hurting me as he was saying that, but that was the confirmation that I was that I needed. I was like, thank you. It hurt, but I kept quiet after that. You know, I still said some things. No, I didn't, I didn't keep quiet. I, I still said some things to him, but I wasn't. Now I, I was. He had clicked. I understood who he really was. He did not really care. I understood and you know, I was like, okay, this is this is it. He doesn't actually care. Because it's not it's not for you to tell someone how to feel about something. We're, we are all different. We don't share the same brain. It's not your responsibility to, to tell someone you're not supposed to feel like this. You're not supposed to be upset about this. You're supposed to let it go. No, we're different. We don't share the same brain. We have different personalities. But that was the confirmation that I needed. So I was, so I was just, I was just, you know, I, I just, I let it go. But the next day he then trying to give me some, some, 
some stupid pep talk about how he loves me more than him this is the this is him trying to make it seem like everything's okay i was crying with you as you were crying and i was and i'm thinking no you weren't yeah i was crying with you as you're crying and you know i love you more than him blah 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 just bullshit well, from then, I got the confirmation I needed. I still needed to heal. I got the confirmation, so I started planning my escape. Not that he trapped me, but in the sense I'm planning my escape in the sense that he will never see me again. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I still, um, I still, well, I still had to stay there during the summer <laughs> until the academic year started again and everything. And then he was my guarantor for the place that I moved into. He was my guarantor for the place that I moved into. But I deleted the email from him so he didn't remember. The funny thing is, even if I did not delete the email, he has thousands of emails that... Because he just signs up for stuff, I guess. He has thousands of emails that he, he he will get lost in the crowd. But I wanted to make sure that he would not find it because I knew that I was not going to let he. That's the last time he would see me again. So anyway, that day, I because I already planned my escape. I'd I'd all my things have been gathered. Oh my gosh, I forgot to mention this. When I was coming back to London and I took the coach, the box I had was very heavy oh my goodness it's one of those um those duffel bag type luggages but them those large ones like the the structure of the box is not it's not hard it's not plastic it's it's fabric and because i had to put all my things in storage there was so i wasn't prepared for something like that because it was so last minute but anyway i had to move that big box to london and that box was so full and so heavy and it had three wheels but two of them had broken so i was practically dragging this dead body looking luggage through leicester to the coach station and all the way back home and it was heavy because just going to the coach station enough was it was it was hard so i know that if i had to go all the way from victoria to where we live it was gonna be a, a very painful journey so i texted him i said i was like daddy could you please come and pick me up you know it's sunday there's no congestion charge because i knew he would give that excuse there was no congestion charge there's no congestion charge and everything then he said oh he has a meeting at church i was like please please like it's very heavy i sent this over text then he said He's like, he's like, told me I'm in a meeting. So his allegiance to the church was, is more than his need. I'm like, that church, okay, I don't know. Something is up in that church for some reason. That church has looked exactly the same for 20 years. Nothing has changed. They have never renovated. The church is not even in a tip-top condition either. The church has looked exactly the same. And churches don't pay tax. So I do not know where the money is going. <laughs> I don't know where the money is going. But that church, and the, and the funny thing is, despite all of that, they have meetings every single Sunday, every single Sunday. So I'm like, whatever it is, I'm sure they can update you because this church, they have meetings every Sunday, every Sunday. And the church has not changed. That church has looked exactly the same before I went to Nigeria. It looks exactly the same when I came back. Absolutely nothing has changed and i don't know where the off where is the offering and the tithing is good where is everything going something i feel something's up you know because i did i mention that my dad is 
a pastor a pastor anyway something is up but anyway his allegiance to that church is more than his need to help me so like you you, you can't even excuse yourself to at least help me because that bag was heavy and my my hand was hurting i was switching from hand to hand but to really rest the hand i needed hours because my it wasn't a few minutes it was hurting and then when i got home and then i asked him like couldn't you come and help me he said he's like he asked me did i see the text i said no then he now said oh you know you can't drive diesel cars in central london that was his excuse remember i told you i said in a text to him that there's no congestion charge on sundays and um and um there's anyway there was no congestion on sundays but when he found out that i did not see his text he then lied and said something else when i actually did see the text i just saw it late i saw it when i actually got home because um i think there was no network or something like that but then yeah that that was one of the things that helped with the the clearing of the head that helped it click that oh this is who he is it was very clear to me but um yeah so after that i just packed my things you know i still stayed in the house until the end of the summer i packed my things and i just left he just came back one day and i was gone i put the keys and the fob everything inside a uh, a plastic envelope that thing that you put papers in i put it through a letterbox and i was gone and now that time i was still healing and i'm like i i know where i want my life to go I'm not in, I wasn't entirely sure on the road to get there because I was still in an old conditioning and I had to, I'm, I am still fighting to get out of it. I'm still trying to build new habits is what I'm saying. I'm trying to build new habits for success, but it's a process because I I didn't get that conditioning overnight as well. So, you know, it's a process. So I'm, I'm trying, I was like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but regardless of what happens, they will never see me again. They will never see me again. Now that I know who they really are, they will never see me again. And I blocked his number. I blocked my brother's number. Anyone, anyone who is likely to contact me, I blocked them. I blocked their number. And (laughs) yeah, I even changed my number, but he wouldn't re- he wouldn't even know unless he listens to this recording or someone shows it to him. I changed my number and they will never see me again, honestly speaking. Because the only way to break out of Nas the the thing is that the reason why my dad was even trying to make it seem like we are some sort of father daughter of um bond. We have some sort of father daughter bond is because with narcissists everything you do is to cater to them my mom was very she was more expressive of that but my dad's technique is to feel is to act like a victim oh i didn't get the university education i didn't do this i didn't do that you know go get your education don't be like your father who doesn't have an education so that when i you know get into the world and when i start you know doing the things and start making my own money he wants me to start he wants to he wants to he wants me to be his trophy child to be like oh look my daughter's here my daughter's here my daughter's graduated my daughter's got this so that i can make him look good <laughs> which is very very sad so that i can make him look good because he'll act like he's this calm person because like i said he's a pastor but he'll act like he's this calm person but in the moments when you would think that this is when a calm person, this is like their strength. 
This is when being calm is supposed to be the most advantageous. Then he will switch and start yelling. And I'm not saying... It's not like it's a high-pressure situation. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Not like it's a high-pressure situation. Just in a moment, just in regular moments where it's like, you know, decisions, decisions, you know, you, you know, but a decision has to be made. But that's the time when you think a calm person will be... That's their strength moment. That's when he starts to yell. He... <laughs> Wow, that's when he starts to yell. So he thought he could fool me into thinking that we have some sort of father-daughter special bond so that I can end up being the I can end up being the, the trophy child that buys him the buys him everything he needs while he while he while he just pretends to be a victim, thinking he's manipulating my emotions while he pretends to be a victim so that he can so he's practically trying to do what my mother was trying to do you know not want us to if let's say my mother was alive now and i had like a full-time job she would probably want me to you know she'll probably be taking things from me claiming that you know she bought us this when we were younger she took care of us blah 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 that those type of things that my mother would have done is what he's trying to do but because he hasn't put as much effort into himself as she has so he's trying to use his victimhood to learn me in lure people in so that they can do those things for him out of pity and that's a that's one of the things um narcissists do so right now he doesn't really know where i am and he actually makes me feel good he tried to get in contact with me through my university he tries to make it seem like he hasn't seen me from the beginning of the academic year there was a time when um he came to Leicester to the university. That was when the lockdown began. And he had one of his friends who was not in a country to text me and say, your dad's in Leicester looking for you. You know, answer your phone because my dad used a different phone to call me. But then that just helped me see that I had loose ends. <laughs> I forgot to block that person. <laughs> so I blocked her too. Anyway, so yeah, they don't really know. He doesn't really know where I am right now. And narcissists don't like the fact that you discard them. They want to discard you. They want to let go of you when they're done with you. So I know, I'm convinced right now that maybe he can try to, because he's used, he's used his victimhood to love people and to make them feel sorry for him and feel pity. But he's probably going to make it like, hey, my daughter, I don't know where she is. I don't know where she is and everything. But it will soon turn into anger. Like, very soon, when it gets to a while, when I'm supposed to have graduated, when he's supposed to be parading me around, saying, hey, look, my daughter has graduated. You know, he won't be able to do that, but he she, he won't take responsibility for it. They never take responsibility for what they do. So he's, try, he's probably going to try and make it seem that there's I did something. I, I'm the difficult one, because they're never, they're never at fault in their eyes. You know, that's what he's going to try and make it make it seem but he was the biggest disappointment because i i really believed in that idea of father daughter i really thought we had a special bond i was really hoping he would be the one to actually hear me and understand but he was just another disappointment he's just another flavor of narcissism he's just as bad as her but i guess everything she said about him was true it's just that she yelled everything so we just were very unlikely to listen but everything he she said about him was true everything she said and i'm even realizing some more things you know but it's just very sad to realize that that's the kind of person he is that he actually he himself he actually 
he doesn't actually like us. The only the only reason why he probably even took care of us was because we lived in the same city. Because we're not the only children that he has. But if he didn't take care of us, my mom, with her loud mouth, would announce it to everyone. Oh my gosh. She would, she would yell it in church. She would yell it. Oh my gosh. She would tell everyone. And like I told you, he would, he would never make himself uncomfortable for anyone else. He didn't even try to try to accommodate us even though our mother took us to nigeria against our will he was all he ever tried to do because we always saw him as the 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 calm parent it was very easy for him to portray the the image of the calm person and he always had to play act like he was her conscience and she would yell back so she would look like the bad person but now i see him for what he was victim narcissist using his pastoral badge to be to act like someone else like act like our consciences and he started doing that shit to me he started he started um started saying that's not good you shouldn't do that that's not good i'm like who are you i didn't say that but i'm like i'm gonna do it anyway you know that's not good that's not good and one time this man had the audacity to get a fake prophet this guy is fake i have to say to tell me that my anger was gonna get in the way of my mm -mm, someone else's destiny i'm not saying that one he was trying to say that my anger and the thing is my anger was not for nothing my anger was from injustice my anger was from from being ghastly and not being heard so for him to say that it has to be that that man was not real he, he couldn't have been because if he knew better he would have known where that pain was coming from uh-uh if he's talking to god how would god not tell him when god sees everything everything that's in our hearts is laid naked before god he had the nerve so that he can now be treating me the way he started treating my mom acting like her conscious saying things like um he'll be i don't know what he says to her over the phone but she yells everything back because it's kind of you left me with these children and now you want to act like you're my conscience he liked to look at the better parent but now i see him for who he really is and he wanted to start turning he wanted to start controlling me using his victimhood and his pastoral badge to control me hoping that he can he could enjoy the benefits that in reality my mother should have enjoyed because despite all the you know anyway this he wanted to you enjoy the benefits that my mother should have enjoyed for himself using his pastoral badge and his victimhood to get it for himself if anyone could even say that they want to enjoy anything from anything that i mean it is my mother because she's the one that put work into us you know she didn't give us the emotional connection which was the most important thing but she is the one who she works those jobs she gave us the food she shamed us for the food she gave us the material things she never let us forget that she did but she is the one that she put in the work she was a working woman she worked two jobs she gave put us with babysitters there was even a time when she put us with babies that used to beat me i don't even have memories of them I don't have memories of that place. I just have memories. I just knew that I only remember one day in that house and I just remember being scared around them. But she put in the work. She put in the effort. She didn't abandon her children. He left us with her. You don't leave a good person so that he can be he can pop into our lives and act like her conscious, act like the good parent, enjoy the benefits while she looks at the angry black woman. So despite the fact that she caused me a lot of pain and she was very toxic and wicked as well, she is the only person that could even beat her chest to say that she put work into us. She is the one that worked. She gave us the roof. She gave us the clothes. She, she gave us all the material things. She put effort into it. She is the one. But he can't come and ever, he can never, ever in his life beat his chest 
and say that he has put any effort more than her. If he happens to listen to this, he should list out what he can beat his chest and say that he has put in more effort than her. But yet he wants to enjoy the benefits and then play victim. When I, oh, but when I, when I was with him during that summer, I was, I, I nearly fell into fixing mode. I thought that, okay, maybe the reason I'm trying to understand the purpose in this pain, maybe the reason why is so I can help heal someone else. I'm giving this man pep talks. I'm saying, you're just 60, you're just 65. And I'm showing him them pictures of people on Instagram that are graduated from college at the age of 70, like Colonel Sanders, you know, they say fried his first chicken at 50 something or whatever. So I'm like, look, you're just 65. You're not old. There's still time. I'm giving him his pet talk the way I would, I should have been giving it to myself. But I was giving it to him. And I guess that's what he really wanted. That's what he wants for me to, that's what narcissists want. They want you to put them in that effort. They want you to be their 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 sidekick give them the the boost of confidence do all of that but after a while it took so much effort and i had my own stuff to deal with that i just stopped because i was tired and i couldn't keep doing that but anyway that's who he really was that's why he was my biggest disappointment and changed behavior is a real apology not words not words and age is never an excuse for narcissism because in the african culture in the nigerian culture there are people like this that they then they then use their age as an excuse to keep sensitive people around so that they can make them continue to make them feel bad about themselves and leech the benefits of the things that they have worked for these people are very prevalent in the african culture but anyway that's what i have to say for this um recording this episode in the next one i think i've 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 spoken about um no i haven't i haven't completely speak finish speaking about my family i'm going to talk about my older my older older brother and he's autistic he lived with us with my mother and i will talk about him and how anyway i'll just talk about him and then i'm going to talk about in an episode after that i'm going to talk about um the parasite that that presented itself as a friend the parasite that the devil sent because I was so badly looking for a sister. But yeah, so <laughs> I'm done talking. Bye.